0: Welcome to Blaine, Christ the King. You are listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock at our campus location in Blaine, Washington. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you, Tyler. Thank you for having me, uh, church. As Tyler said, he keeps letting me preach, so it must mean I'm not preaching blasphemy, which is very affirming. Um, Last time I was here, I spoke about community, which I'm very passionate about. Uh, Today, I'm going to be talking about doubt, which is very exciting. So prepare for a lot of Mrs. Doubtfire jokes. (laughs) Wow, that landed. Okay. Uh, Let's start with the most important part, uh, the scripture. If you have a Bible, you can open it up to John 20, 24 through 29, or it'll be up there. Now, Thomas, one of the 12, called the twin, Was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and I place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. (laughs) Sorry, okay. Eight days later, the disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and believed. Will you pray with me? Awesome. Dearly Father, Lord, thank you so much uh, for this community. Thank you so much for Blaine. Thank you for the sunny weather. It's it's amazing. Lord, I just ask you just keep on uh, this community as we continue to grow. Let it be purely about you, Lord, so that when the people in Blaine, they feel a shift and it's that your Holy Spirit is moving through this place. We love you, Lord. We thank you. And uh, you are an amazing Father in your heavenly name. Hey, has anyone ever been a salesman? Has anyone ever done sales? Please raise your hand. Get out! Um, <laughs> no, don't leave. I uh, I've been a salesman. I'm hanging up my hat. I'm done with sales. Uh, I've done I've done a little bit of everything. I've sold sunglasses, which is pretty popular in the summertime. Um, I've sold shoes, pretty popular year round, and then I sold Bible software, which Tyler was a big fan of. Um, I didn't give him any discounts. Uh, probably the biggest challenge of my sales career was door-to-door sales. Now, if you've never done door-to-door sales before and you want to build your faith, do door-to-door sales, because you're going to be talking to God a lot. And what I was selling was time slots for Terminex. Now, if you don't know what Terminex is, they get rid of your ants and and just bugs in general. I don't want to get into the specifics of anything. Okay, anyways. So, I was selling time slots. Now, I was selling it in Washington, D.C., and I lived and Marysville. And so the reason why I drove to Washington, D.C. with a buddy of mine is because I was kinda in a place in my life where I felt like I was stuck in a rut. I didn't really, wasn't going anywhere. I wasn't moving forward. I knew I wanted to marry a very beautiful, smart campus director of Blaine, but I really couldn't do that with where I was at in my life. And so me and my buddy Cody, who were, you know, we were kinda in the same place. We knew we wanted to get out of this area. And so we had a mutual friend of ours named Taylor come to us and say, hey guys, are you doing? Um, you know, I, 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 you've talked to me about wanting to move forward in your career and your life. Well, hey, I've been doing this thing every summer, and I've been pretty profitable at it. Like, I've been doing, I've been doing pretty well financially. It's pretty great. Um, you know, I'll train you. You just go to Washington, D.C. You'll have a place to live. You'll, you know, you'll do door-to-door sales. It's great. It's awesome. The thing, looking back now, that I should have realized is my friend Taylor is a salesman. And so when he approached us, He was like, hey, this is the easiest thing on earth. Of course you want to do that. And we're like, yeah, of course we do. You know, he like closed us. So me and my buddy Cody, we get into his truck and we drive three days to Washington, D.C. Now, I don't care if it's your mom, your brother, or your best friend. If you're in a car with someone for three days, you start to hate them just a little bit, just a hair of hate. And so we drive all the way to Washington, D.C. We get out. And we're like, this is, you know, we're not in Kansas anymore, so this is, this is new to us. So we're in a place that's unfamiliar. We start to do our training, and essentially, we learn our pitch. And our pitch is this. You knock on someone's door, and you go, hey, how are you? I'm Dakota with Terminex. I'm just getting a couple of calls from the neighbors about a little bit of bug activity. And because I'm already here, I'm giving a community discount. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a guy. He's going to spray three feet up and three feet out around the entire exterior of the home, keeping those bugs out. Now, I've already, s- I've already sold the Robinsons, which just so you know, the Robinsons aren't real. I've just sold the Robinsons, I didn't tell them that, and then I was like, I have this time slot filled, I just need to fill this time slot, well, What works best for you? And in our head, we're like, oh, yeah, of course I want that, that's easy, I want that time slot right there, here's my money. And we're like, great, this is gonna be easy. So I learn my pitch, we get in the car, and we go to my first neighborhood. So I'm walking to my first door, I'm like, oh man, Okay, here we go. Here we go. All right. So I go to my first door and I go, okay, i have my pitch going on my head and I go. And what you do is when you knock on someone's door and they have that side window, you turn your back to the door because if they look through the side window and they see you, they go, oh, oh no, thank you. And then you just, you can't do anything. You don't just start shouting at their door like, hey, actually, no, you kind of, you, know, you don't do that. So you knock on the door, you turn the back, which is what I did. Okay. Alright, they didn't open the door. Alright, I'm gonna knock one more time. Okay, didn't pick up. I'm gonna knock a third time. Still nothing. I'm gonna ring the doorbell, because that's not annoying. So I ring the doorbell, and I have my back to the wall, and then finally I hear the door starts to open. And I'm like, here we go. I'm gonna say my pitch, my pitch. They probably they were probably like in the house like, oh, hey, hey, honey, is someone knocking on the door three times and ringing the doorbell? I thought I heard that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Man, I hope it's a door-to-door salesman because I just love buying things randomly. (laughs) My favorite thing to do on earth. That's what I had in my head. So I turn my back, I'm about to say my pitch, and a guy is staring at me and goes, stop knocking on my door! I'm tired of you door-to-door salesmen coming here every summer trying to sell me stuff. Get off my porch, get off my property, get out of my neighborhood! Do you have bugs? <laughs> I find myself being yelled at. And I'm not, a, I, you know, I've, I've done sales, I don't know the entire thing of sales, but you don't sell to seething. And that guy was mad, <laughs> mad. So I go, okay, and I turn, and I start to walk away from the door, and I start to have the downward spiral of, oh no. I just drove from Marysville to Washington, D.C. to do this job, and I just got yelled at. I'm in a place I don't recognize, with people I don't really know, and I kind of don't like my friend right now. (laughs) And then I started to go, God, there's no plan B. This is it. This is supposed to work for me. And the truth is, that was a big summer in my life because it did change my life. But it was also filled with a lot of doubt. So let's look at doubt in our context. Doubt is not fully believing. This can be doubting if God exists or doubting part of his character. Is he good? Is he just? Does he love me? Is he for me? Is he really looking down on me and have the best interest for me? We often face doubt when we're in a hardship. When things are good, it can be easy. Yeah, of course God loves me. I mean, look at that. It's, it's, it's great. The sun is shining. My friends love me. My job is going so well. And then something happens. And then we start to feel unsure about what's going to happen next in our life. And we wonder, God, were you ever for me in the first place? Where are you right now? We doubt his plan. We often look at the circumstances before us and lose sight of what God is able to do. The situation becomes our Goliath, and we refuse to acknowledge the sling that he has given us. When your car breaks down, when your friends start to turn their back on you, when your boss fires you, when you're so anxious and so depressed you don't want to leave your house, when your plans don't go the way you thought they should, Immediately coming home from my time in Washington, D.C., I thought, God, what was, what was the point of all of that? You know, I wasn't as successful as I thought I should have been. I was supposed to be making dough. You know, this was, I'm supposed to make a bunch of money, come back, and be fine. Uh, I look back, and I see that God was teaching me perseverance. He was teaching me to push through hardship and hard situations that weren't easy for me, that I thought would be easy for me. I can also see who's teaching me to be bold and learn to share my story with strangers. Now, there were gentlemen like that throughout the summer, and you just, after a while, you just started to go, you're yelling, I'm leaving, all right, that's great, yeah, it was good talking, you have a good day. But there were also people who invited me into their home. They fed me lunch, they saw that I was thirsty, they gave me water, and then they started to talk to me, and I would just have these great conversations with total strangers. And they would ask me questions like, okay, wait a second, why are you only in Washington DC for three months? Inevitably, I would start talking about my heart for ministry and celebrate recovery. See, I thought I was there to make money, and when I wasn't, I doubted God. Why am I not having the amount of success I think I should? He showed me his plan was to change my heart and teach me to be bold, not grow my finances. And here's a hint. God does not resemble Mr. Monopoly with a monocle, and his plan for you is to not to purchase Park Place Avenue as fast as you can. Say that 10 times fast. (laughs) God's plan is to grow his kingdom, not yours. But maybe our idea of success is that it's profitable you know, we grow our status, we, do, we get a lot of friends and then we're really popular on Instagram and Facebook and then, then I'll be happy. Then, Once I make that much money, once I have that house, once I have all these people liking me and reaching out to me, then I'll be happy. Our plans don't often include pruning away the parts of ourselves that aren't fruitful, growing in ways that stretch us, and measuring our success in kingdom terms. For me, this summer of hard inner work was his plan to help me grow to be more like him and learn to love in his bold way. Our doubt and God stems from our human plan not aligning with his perfect will. In John 20, we see that Thomas believes that Jesus is still dead. He says, Unless I place my finger into the mark of the nails and I place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Not maybe believe, never. Stephanie puts his foot down. He doubts that he is risen because in his human idea of the plan, dying and rising from the grave isn't even an option. Which shows, when we focus on our plans and doubt God's, we don't leave room for his miracles. When we focus on our plan and doubt God's, we don't leave room for his miracles. Can I get an amen? Awesome. His plan doesn't even, we can't even fathom what he is capable of doing. Our, our idea of, of this world of what's supposed to happen does not fall in line with what God is doing. When he, when he became man and rose and died again, of course we're not supposed to understand that. But we're not supposed to fully understand God. God. We doubt his timing. I'm sure the disciples thought they would never see Jesus again. They didn't anticipate a resurrection, especially three days later. Now, if someone dies, you don't say, I'll see you in three days, enjoy your nap, you know? <laughs> They're gone. When Thomas professed his doubt, it was eight days later that Jesus came to him and let him touch his wounds. We often look up and say, okay, whenever you're ready, Go ahead and fix the situation I'm in. Go ahead, yeah. Whenever you're ready. Right now. Whenever you are ready, go ahead and fix it. Now, do it now. Do it now, do it now, do it now, do it now, do it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, please, please. We turn God into our fairy godmother and expect him to grant our every wish in our time. Yeah, yeah, I I was going somewhere. Yeah, you know, I was in the middle of something, so this doesn't work out for me right now. So, if you could please—I mean, look look at my calendar; it's busy every single day. Look at that; it's filled up. So, this doesn't work out for me. God, you need to meet my time frame. You need to see that this is my time frame. You need to see that, God. We try to tell God where and when. (laughs) I've done that myself. I don't want to be the guy that's up here and just saying, like, you guys are all wrong. I know I'm, like, passionate at times. I've been there. I've doubted God. I've doubted God recently. In my personal story with with my father, I'll be honest with you for a second, I found out my father only has about five years to live. And I said, God, you need to fix this right now. And it's funny when we say right now, we have an aggressive way of talking to God, and we kind of take a step back from him and say, you need to fix this. And I'll come back when it's done. The truth is, we need to take a step forward and say, okay, God, I trust you can fix this, and I'm with you. Jesus didn't appear to Thomas instantly when he spoke about his doubt. It was eight days later, in God's timing, at a time when he could appear to all the disciples together and miraculously enter a locked room and show his power and beat Thomas's doubt. Maybe he's calling you to something you're resistant to. Suddenly, we'd like God to slow down. Yeah, yeah, buddy, you need to slow your roll. (laughs) I'm not ready to make that jump yet. But maybe you're praying to God that he has something for you. God, uh, I would really love this. So if you could speed up, that would be great. I'm not doing that, but if you could do this... Please, fast, slow, fast, slow, please. God's timing is purposeful. Now that is exciting. The idea that our creator, who created this beautiful planet, who's created all these other planets, who's created galaxies we can't even fathom, has plans for you that you will benefit from. We are doubting when we are doubting his time frame we feel the impact of his timing in a way that we interpret as negative but we need to search out the purpose in this waiting ask yourself where are you trying to insert your timing because you were doubting god's time frame and what could he have for you in the waiting don't forget who god is and who we are to him he loves us he wants us but he does not need us yet he graciously answers us in His timing. When we don't feel God right away, we seek out the wrong things or go back to what is familiar. For example, when I was uh, when I was at a Celebrate Recovery in Everett many years ago, uh, there was a gentleman and, and he was you know he was recovering from alcoholism and he was doing really well. He had just gotten in a divorce and he was trying to get custody of his kids and uh, and. He was coming to every group, and he was very consistent, and and he felt like he was on fire for God, and then one week he didn't show up, and then the next week he didn't, and then it was a couple weeks, and then it was a month, and then he showed up one day, and, and he looked very discouraged, and he sat down, and he told me the story where he said, I don't know if I'm ever going to get my kids, and I, I don't know if I'm ever, you know, I don't like my wife, uh, my ex-wife right now, and. I, don't, I, I doubt if I'm ever going to get clean from alcoholism. So he said he had a bad day at work, and so it really just pushed him over the edge. So he's driving home, and he sees a bar on the right-hand side. And so instead of going home or calling somebody, he turns off, and he goes into the bar, and he relapses. So when he's in the bar, he's drinking, and then the bartender says, hey, is that your truck out front? And he said, yes. And he said, well, you need to move that because you're in a handicapped spot. And the guy goes, okay. Now he had beers... And so he went outside and he got in his car and he backed up and then there was a siren behind him and a cop had seen him walk from the bar into his truck and pull out and he got a DUI. And he made it worse. And now he wasn't able to get custody of his kids. And how many times have we done that? We get impatient, you're not moving fast enough. And so instead of trusting and driving forward We turn this way, which eventually turns this way. This is exactly what the disciples did as well. Uh, You see in John 21, 1 through 4, after this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. In this passage, you will see that the one thing that they went back to, the one thing they were familiar with, they were not having success in. These were fishermen. This is what they did, and they were good at it. So these were fishermen who were called to be more than fishermen, and then when that thing didn't work out, they thought, they went back to being fishermen and weren't finding any success in it. They were caught in doubt because they couldn't comprehend the truth in Jesus' words. Jesus told them many times he was going to be killed and rise again in three days. We see this in Matthew twenty seventeen through 19. I know I'm just making you flip through your Bible. but uh, And as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside, and on the way he said to them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and he will be right raised on the third day. Now, I like to picture it when Jesus is telling the disciples exactly what's going to happen. They're going, okay. What was he saying? Sorry, I wasn't listening. I was, was thinking about food. <laughs> the disciples are clearly told exactly how Jesus will be killed and rise from the graze, grave in three days. Yet when he is killed, they go back to being fishermen. They take a step back. Whoa, whoa, this isn't supposed to happen. No, 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 that, th- this isn't part of the plan. What do you mean? Okay, I'm going fishing then. God will allow you to be unsuccessful if it means guiding you back to his will. So what is your fishing net? What are you going back to because you were doubting the next step in God's plan? For me, personally, when I was in the midst of my addiction, I would have a good week. I would have a good month, I would have a good couple of months, and then something would happen. And then I would, instead of, of calling somebody or, 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 you know, going to group, I would cling back to the one thing I felt like I could control. I can't control any of this right now, but I've, I feel like this can be controlled. Which goes to our next point. Doubt is a feeling, and our feelings are always changing. We doubt when things don't go the way we plan and the time frame we had in mind, and then we found ourselves choosing a road that isn't in God's will. When I was still very young in my faith, I found out very quickly that I was basing my faith off an emotional feeling. <laughs> I found out really quickly that I was going, uh, what am I feeling today? Do I want to go to church today, Sunday? I'd rather it's nice outside. I'd rather just throw the Frisbee. Uh, I don't really know. Am I even feeling God today? I don't know. I don't you really feel like listening to Chris Tallman today. You know what? I mean, George Strait is so much better. I'm just going to turn the radio to that. I knew I needed to, one, beat my addiction, and two, grow stronger in my relationship with God because that's what it is. It's a relationship. Your faith, is not an emotional faith. It is not a feeling close or feeling secure. Our feelings and circumstances are always changing, but God never is. Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His will is perfect. We can trust that he is true to word, to his word, even when we are feeling doubt. And why? Because he came down, he put skin and bones on, and he died for you just to prove how in love with you he is. Just to prove how much he wants to be in relationship with you. Are you kidding me? Like <laughs> our God, our creator creates his creation, they act out and he comes down and he takes Their death? That's how much our God loves you. Even his own disciples who walked on earth with him, who broke bread with him, who drank with him, who sat face to face with their father, doubted when he died. The good news is, Jesus treats us with love and grace in our doubt. When Jesus appears to the disciples, He says, peace be with you, and he addresses Thomas right away. Now, when he walks through the wall. He doesn't go, hello, who do you think you are? Are you kidding me? No, 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 no. You don't get to talk right now, buddy. I get to talk. I just died for you. I just took the death that you deserve. I was just mocked, spat on. I just crawled up a hill with the crushing weight of your sins. Do you want to take all of that? Who do you think you are? No, 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 no. He walks through the wall. Peace be with you. Okay. Touch my wounds. See what I have done. Because I did it for you. God expects us to doubt at times. That's why he greets us with where we're at. Doubt is not a lack of faith. It is a part of faith. Faith is a journey. We're all at different stages and different seasons of life. Sometimes we feel confident and empowered with God has called us to do. We're hyped. You know, that was great service. Man, I'm just I'm feeling it today. This is good. This is good. This is good. I love it. I love it. What about the people who were in the back who aren't loving it? What about the people in the back who are like raising their hand and they're like, "God, I don't know if you are for me right now." What are we supposed to do with that? So how can we help those who are doubting? In John 20, we see the disciples proclaim, we have seen the Lord to Thomas. And he goes, I don't think so. And then we see eight days later, when Jesus appears, there's the disciples and Thomas. So that shows me that when the disciples addressed Thomas and said, God has risen and he said, No, they didn't say, What did you just say? Get out. No, no, no. We've seen him. We saw him. You don't dare doubt our creator. Get out. No. They took him alongside and they walked with him in the midst of his doubt. Because when we walk with others in the midst of their doubt, We also have to believe that god is on his way to reassure them just as jesus was on his way to thomas to reassure him it comes down to this god is not afraid of your doubt doesn't move him he's not bothered by it he sees it and goes okay god already knows all of your doubts in verse 27 We see that Jesus appears to the disciples and he doesn't ask Thomas about his doubt. He already knows exactly what he's going to say and he said it eight days ago. He answers his doubt by sharing an intimate moment of relationship where he allows Thomas to be honest about his doubts and touch his wounds. When Thomas is finally reassured, he goes, my Lord, my God. His response is one of affirmation that he's under the Lordship And rule of Jesus he proclaims who Jesus is and his doubts are put to rest often our doubts can be resolved in the presence of God when we bring our doubt to God he affirms who he is and his character speaks truth to our doubt even before Jesus came to earth people were doubting God crying out to him and their doubt and finding reassurance in Exodus 14 uh, we see Moses leading the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. uh, And and while he's doing this, Pharaoh and 600 chariots are pursuing him. Now let me take a step back uh, a second. When he's leading them out, God Uh, God knew of a path that was going to be a little quicker and dare I even say easier that the Israelites could have taken to where they were going. But God knew the hearts of the Israelites. And he knew if they went down this path, there was going to be an army and they were going to get scared and they were going to move backwards and then they were going to be slaves again. And God said, no, 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 there's no turning back. You're going to the Red Sea. So when Moses is leading the Israelites to freedom, God strategically put them in this place to seem like they were uh, lost and confused. And then when when God has all of this happening, Pharaoh, his heart is hardened, and these 600 chariots are coming after them. So there's the Red Sea, there's the Israelites, and then there's an army. And they're coming in quick with just wanting to kill the Israelites. And the Israelites are looking at what's coming at them, and they look where they can't run, and they go, uh, uh, what? No, no, no. What, what, what is that? What is that? And if I was in their shoes, I would be in the exact same place too. I'd be like, God, no, 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 no. This is not right. This is not part of the plan. We're supposed to be free. This, this doesn't make any sense at all. And they start shaking. Is there not enough empty graves in Egypt? You've sent us here to die? You, I, no, I'll be a slave. I'm sorry. I'll surrender and I'll be a slave. And they turn to Moses. And Moses says, Believe in God. And Moses looks at God and God's like, "You know what to do." And I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> and Moses turns to the Red Sea while Pharaoh and the army is coming at them, and he extends his hand, the smallest gesture of faith, and he leaves the rest to God. And God performs a beautiful miracle. He splits the sea. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with bodies of water, but if you are near water and you raise your hand over them, they don't split open. (laughs) This was part of his plan. And it is clear that our plan is not always the same as God's plan, but his plan is always the best one. We aren't called to not doubt. We are called to be still and let God fight for us. He will prove himself faithful faithful to us god is in control of all things his plans don't depend on circumstance our timing or emotional state when you find yourself doubting don't turn to what is familiar or fall back on an old habit when you find yourself doubting give that doubt to god let him reassure you with his presence and the truth of his character he is all-powerful all-knowing works outside of human time, and loves you so much. He is good even when it doesn't feel and look good. When you are facing the Red Sea and it seems like an army is coming after you, he loves you. We are called to be obedient and trust him even in our doubt. So what are you doubting about God today? What are you not letting him reassure you with his truth? I encourage you to lay it all out before him and let him greet you with where you're at. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for everything you do. We thank you for being a father that is so caring, so loving. And Lord, you do so much. Lord, when our back is turned and, uh, and we don't know what's coming after us and, and there are times that we don't fully understand what you're doing, Lord, let us fully trust in you, because you have a plan for us that is beautiful, that is wonderful. We thank you, Lord. We praise you in your heavenly name.